0: Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery that mediocrity can pay to greatness. But if you try to flatter me, Snow Blossom, I will batter you, as once said by the great Oscar Wilde. So may I introduce myself as your new captain, Deadbeat Punk. Welcome aboard and make yourselves comfortable, while we jettison some refuse rolled up in carpets. Ladies, gentlemen, and variations thereupon. This is modern escapism. in case you didn't realize, this is a pre-recorded message. Now, this is the plan: get your hope to Mars.
1: Thank you very much to the ever-excellent Deadbeat Punk there from the "What the Fuck Do You Want?" podcast. Uh, we thought about bringing him in for our new pod host, but an intro is just enough, just to wind Oodles up. <laughs> <laughs> because he's not here this week, and neither is Gadget. Unfortunately, Gadget's not feeling very well, uh, and Oodles is away. But back from his time away last week he's bringing sexy back uh biggie's
2: here <laughs> hello
3: oh i missed you biggie it was like a missing tooth
2: oh thank you i missed you guys and i really enjoyed listening to the pod as well good
1: yeah i, I, I quite like doing that whenever you're not on um you go back and listen because you obviously have no idea what was said and it's like yeah listen to a brand new show it's so. great yeah, and as ever, myself is here, and I'm with Candy as well.
3: All right, my babbers!
1: And yet yeah, we're still here, fighting the good fight. So it's a three-person pod tonight—just uh, myself, Candy, and Biggie. It's
3: a bit scary, isn't it? It's like Mum and Dad aren't here. Yeah, it's going to yeah, be chaos.
2: Uh... But if it's successful, we we might may continue that way.
3: The trio. Yeah,
1: no. If if the feedback is uh, you know good, then we might just have to cut the dead weight.
2: Yeah.
3: Just carry on with the axis of evil.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean I've got to edit this week as well, so you know, it's uh, if I do a good enough job. <laughs> although although actually I shouldn't say that because he'll just come back and go, well you can do it. Then. Exactly. <laughs> so I might make it bad purposely. Never throw, tell anyone
3: a... you can do anything because then you will get you will get asked every time.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'll throw a few uh I'll throw a few errors in there, Oh no, i messed up, damn it.
3: <laughs> I don't understand what I did wrong.
2: <laughs> well, I like your plan of him not knowing this.
1: <laughs> um, before we uh get into things, let's just give it a Come on, Biggie! Yes, it is football result. What a
2: result that was. Just did not see that happening at all. I mean I it's it is a funny old game as uh, the cliche is, but I was quite nervous about this game. I thought there was um quite a bit of pressure on both teams to have a good result and particularly more so on United, but Did not see that whitewash happening at all.
1: No, it was incredible. I just spent like the half time just laughing, sat (laughs) laughing on my sofa. The booing
2: as he walked off was just (laughs) incredible. Yeah. Do you want to get in on this, Candy? I'm just going to say,
3: I just could not see it coming at all. And uh, the boys (laughs) gave it 110%. The boys done good. And it was a game of two halves at the end of the day, you know.
1: Perfect. couldn't agree more. So before we head on into what we've been doing this week, we've got a bit of corporate shilling as usual, so I'm going to hand you over to Stig for that. <laughs> Cheers Stig! Yep, uh, we do, we have a Patreon, if you head over to patreon.com forward slash modern escapism you'll find that what we do there, uh, if you want more of what we do, you can head over there and you'll see the three tiers we do, we have £5 pounds for modern escapees. that gets you an extended edition of this episode every week. As well as uh, every month, any monthly special we do, and any other specials we do on top of that, uh, we do a Dungeons and Dragons podcast called "Do Dragons Dream of Scotch Sheep?" And for five pounds a month, the Scotch Sheep tier will get you ad-free, early access to that podcast, as well as any artwork that Candy does for it, any original uh, music we make, any uh, character sheets, and obviously gives you the ability to suggest NPC and items for Gadget to use in the campaign. And seven pound fifty, the Biggie bundle that gets you everything, all of me, all of Biggie, <laughs> and who wouldn't want all of Biggie?
2: <laughs> and and you know we may even get more subscribers now that we haven't got two people on the pod this week. So who knows?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could be our our um, most listened to show. <laughs> 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 I might I might advertise it to the to the uh, the hilt, like on Twitter, just every day, just pumping this, get those numbers up. <laughs> And if you are one of our Patreons, we are actually going to run something slightly special. So for the recording on the 5th of December, we are going to let you, the Patreon uh, subscribers, choose our topic. So if you have a, a modern escapee or a Scotch sheep, you can choose one entry. And if you're a biggie bundle, you can uh, submit two episodes to us and we will choose our favourite one from the bunch and do an episode on it so that's quite exciting, I'm quite looking forward to seeing what uh, what our Patreons come up with I'm
2: and... a, a tad concerned as well
1: <laughs> Yeah, well you you know, if you've listened to this show then you obviously know the type of stuff that we're after, so you know nothing too uh, no sexual deviant stuff or anything like that <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think that'll be quite fun, actually. And I think just an, an, another added little bonus for people who've signed up for Patreon that will, uh, you know, we will do your show.
2: Yeah. The way you want it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so get those entries in. Uh, you can either just DM me on Twitter or in the Discord or send us an email. And then on the week before the December 5th recording, which will be the podcast that goes out on the 2nd, we will announce what we're doing, as per usual. So, yeah, get some entries in over November.
2: And if you really want your particular choice to make it through, just DM me some money and uh, we'll see what I can do.
1: So, uh, on with the show, and we're going to start with Candy this week. Uh, Candy, what have you been up to?
3: Yeah, I did a couple of things. Firstly, I went to see Joker Live, which was um, basically a live orchestra playing along to uh, Joker, the film. Um, say what you will about the film. I really like it. So it was really nice. I I just I had to keep Did you see me- Helen O'Hara there? She was not there, unsurprisingly, <laughs> no. But I tell you who I did see, and it's the first time I've actually met him. A potential guest we might have on the show um in a couple of weeks' time. Ooh. Uh so more more to say about that later. Um cool. but yeah, no, it was really good. Uh, I just had to keep reminding myself to actually watch the orchestra as well as the film because they were so uh, absolute perfect you'd almost forget they were there at times. Um, although there was a funny moment where the uh, one of the percussionists um, went for it so hard, both of his ears- earpieces fell out. So uh, that was a highlight. <laughs> <laughs> so I enjoyed that. But it was uh, nice to get into a crowd as well. Um, actually felt like a proper event to go to.
1: Yeah, I really wanted to do that for Jurassic Park. Mm. They did a Jurassic Park one a few years ago, and there was one up at Newcastle. I- Tickets just sold out like, straight away.
3: Yeah. It's crazy. They do sell so really far. They do a lot of them. I want they're doing um doing Muppets Christmas Carol as well at Christmas. Oh. And if it wasn't gonna be full of kids, I would absolutely love to go to that. Oh, I to don't see.
1: know. I reckon it'll be full of a lot of adults that.
3: I think yeah. probably people maybe when did it come out? I want to say that came out in around ninety two. Ninety two, yeah. I'm pretty
1: sure it's ninety two, something like that, yeah. I love it. I absolutely Michael love it. Michael Caine still Christmas.
0: looks young,
2: is it?
3: <laughs> He's he that man was born old. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, but I guess but, it's interesting with the score, because there'd be quite a lot of movies that you'd like to th- go and see with a live orchestra, and some that probably wouldn't work so well. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, that's interesting. I, wouldn't have, I personally wouldn't have gone to that, but it sounds like you enjoyed it anyway.
3: It was good, and I've been to one. They did a... I don't think it was the same orchestra. I went to a Harry Potter one, actually, a couple of years ago, and um, the conductor at the beginning said, you know, this is not like you're watching a film. We want you to... Clap and cheer and boo the baddies and really get involved. And this one wasn't like that at all. It was just like you're watching the film and you're watching the orchestra. But it we didn't miss out on anything because of that. It was um, yeah, really fun experience. Um, Can't
2: imagine Star Wars or
3: they actually do do Star Wars. They do Star Wars at um, the Royal Albert Hall usually. Um, So that would be a good one to go to. Mm, But yeah, yeah. apart from that, (laughs) I I wasn't going to talk about this one because it's it's not cool or anything. But I've fallen down into a bit of a hole. I've been watching a show called The Good Doctor and that's on Amazon. And I don't know why I decided to put this on because it's just not my cup of tea at all. Um, But it's a, it's like a, it's a sort of cheesy daytime TV medical drama starring Freddie Highmore. And it's a lot, I would say, I I wasn't a huge fan of House, so I didn't see a lot of it, but it's kind of the same tone. So it's, he, um, Freddie Highmore plays a, um, a junior surgeon who's autistic and um, suffers—well, I shouldn't say suffers, but he—he he has the um, ability to really be focused on one particular thing. So his subject, obviously, is surgery, and um, he always classically finds the problem where that no one else can see because he's thinking differently. And um, yeah, I, I can't—I can't stop watching it. I don't know why. It's um, just a bit of light cheese, so I quite enjoy that. But the main thing I did this week—I oh, was just
2: going to say the thing with House. Um, which I really liked as well because it is technically really a one-trick pony Mm. because you've got the the complicated character of House and I've forgotten the the guy's name that he really put upon as well, like his best friend at the hospital. But it was like that dynamic chemistry between the characters because really every episode it's the same thing. Oh, this person might die with something that we can't cure. Is there anything we can do? No. Well, hang on, maybe House, if he can be asked... Work it out, and that was basically it. Every episode, it the well, it's the same kind of thing.
3: Yeah, it's the same. And funny, we should be on the subject of uh, this week. Um <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah, he's there's there's just there's no cure. He's the one that finds it because he's thinking differently. But no one takes him seriously because they don't think an autistic person could possibly get of it, be course. good at surgery. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's all right. It's lots of beeps going off and lots of people saying stat and ASAP and that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> So that was that's that's, a car show. Yeah. Exactly. We need to move on quick. You've been droning on too long about fucking the good doctor. Um, but yeah, my main thing was I went to go see Venom. Mm. Interesting.
2: Yikes. You <laughs> not so interesting, Have man. Lost some love for uh, Tom Hardy.
3: Oh, no, he was the only highlight. This, was, Yeah, it was not. It was not good. Um, so there's, don't get me wrong. There's moments, especially in the first part of the film, where it's kind of a odd couples type situation. So Venom living with um, Eddie Brock and the kind of situational comedy, and I, there were a few laughs, like a few titters. Um, but the film itself, it's just it didn't do anything new. It didn't do any anything any uh, unexpected. Sorry. Um, it just it's exactly what you imagine it to be. Um, carnage gets out spoiler alert and they have a big fight and that's kind of it the best part of the film and if you go and see it make sure you stay for the mid credit scene because that were that is worth seeing um but other than that they just didn't do anything woody harrelson is usually pretty good he wasn't very good there weren't that many supporting characters of note and uh yeah i i didn't go into it with very high expectations and i left thinking it was exactly exactly what I expected, to be fair.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know what Stiggy thinks, but I mean, for me, the character, when it was first announced, the first movie, I wasn't that bothered, not that mm. interested. It didn't work in Spider-Man 3 because of what we've already talked about. But I think just as a character, you might have worked as a villain if it was just one villain against Spider-Man, but in 3, there were too many people to think yeah. about. And the character that played him, Topher Grace, was shite. But even when this was announced, I was just kind of like, "Why? Why have you picked this character? What, what appealing feature has he really got?" I just, I just didn't see it. It's just cool,
1: isn't it? That's why, like, it's a cool character that people like. I always liked Venom from mm. the cartoon when I watched. You know, I've, obviously, I've never read the comics, so my my only dealings with Venom was the nineties cartoon mm. or computer games, or and then obviously Spider Man Three, which was a terrible take on it. But I was keen for Venom to be in a film with Spider-Man more than them do this. And yeah. this is obviously them just doing it because Sony want to keep the rights to these characters. And because they can't put Spider-Man in with him, it's just like, let's make a, Ven- a Venom film where he's like an anti-hero. Mm. And it's like, why does he look like Spider-Man? Why does he have like the same kind of features as Spider-Man <laughs> if they never came into contact? And
3: I always remember oh, seeing just... the artwork of <laughs> Venom in, um, in the comics and stuff. And I always thought he looked like a, a sort of tarantula. Whereas uh, Spider-Man, like, like the sort of, sort of jumping spider. And then Carnage always looked like an ant. And I will say in this film, actually, Carnage does look really cool. He looks, like, gross and visceral and slimy and bleh, like proper baddie. But that's probably the best thing I can say for the character, really.
2: Do you know um, the origin of uh, in the comics? Yeah, not the origin. Yeah.
3: It's, prison um he was in prison with eddie brock wasn't he in one of them or was there i think no,
2: was- the, the, basically where it all came down to there was a a, a little spin-off series called secret wars mm-hmm. where this being called the beyonder came and he he took Earth's mightiest heroes and villains and put them on a planet that he created and they're basically supposed to have this big fight off like you know whoever remains last man standing sort of thing and when they turned up, some of them had new costumes for reasons unknown. They just appeared with these really cool costumes. And Spider-Man was really jealous and he came across this weird machine and it had the symbiote in it. And all of a sudden it jumped onto him and then gave him that black and white costume. He was Oh cool. This is, you know, if I think about turning into Spider-Man, the costume will appear on me, not realizing it was this completely different, you know, sentient being. And in the comic, it was quite cool. And when he discovered what it was eventually and how it was changing him, it was really cool. And then, Spider-Man 3, <laughs> it had this really weird thing where it landed on our planet instead. And, yeah, it's just really weird when they tinker with the, the origin story. It just messes things around. And like you say, if you don't know any of that, and then you go to watch the movie and he looks a bit like Spider-Man, but a mm. bit weird. It's just like, well, why? <laughs> There's no link. Could you tell what
1: was actually going on in the fights in this one, though? Because the the problem with the first one was they were both black and it was just like two massive black blobs fighting each other, and you couldn't tell who was Venom and who was the other one.
3: I didn't notice that the first time round, and I didn't notice that this time round either. But they do look quite different, to be fair. Obviously, Carnage is red. Yeah. Um, but th- I mean, there was well, only one, one. There was only one fight scene. It was. Oh. So yeah, I mean, oh, and it the was fast a... and
2: furious of the comic movies.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I enjoyed the first one. I, I wouldn't say it was the best film. It certainly wasn't. Particularly rewatchable, but this is way worse than the than the first one.
1: See, that's interesting, because I've heard like people say the other way around as well, but it's one of those ones where I didn't, I'm not bothered, I'm not going to go to the cinema to see it, but I'm kind of interested to see it, and I don't know why. Even though people tell me it's bad, and reviews say it's bad, and the kind of people who say it's good, also like other kind of shit stuff, and I'm like, mm, but I'll still watch it. I don't know why.
3: Well, my interest was kind of peaked. It's
1: only nine minutes, I, isn't it? So. Oh, it's
3: super short, yeah. And my interest was kind of peaked when I heard it was Andy Circus that was directing it. Mm. Um, No. he failed. no.
2: When I've seen all of Netflix, I'll probably go and check it out. <laughs> yeah.
1: Great, awesome. So, Biggie, what have you been up to?
2: Yeah, a few things. Well, um, obviously I wasn't here last week, and that was because I went to see Children of Zeus, who I've mentioned on the podcast before, went to see them live. Uh, really incredible set by Connie Con and Tyler Daly, the duo that they make up of Children of Zeus. They played in Brighton, so had a, an awesome weekend and night out there. Um, great mix of tracks from both their albums. And um, Connie Con's the main rapper of the group, so Tyler Daly um raps as but sings as well, and his vocals are just incredible to hear live as well. So if you just hear the yeah. you know, if you hear the music, he's he's amazing anyway. But to hear it live just blows you away uh i've seen him three times now and i go again you know I I'm just a big fan um i was just a bit disappointed about the, su- the support act because it just f- felt like an afterthought for us down in the south i don't actually know they did a gig tonight i think in maybe your way bristol mm. um and nottingham i think they did a gig the other day um but the support acts that they had in brixton in their hometown in manchester were like good friends of theirs, well-known, who sung on their tracks. And I just think I was expecting them to be there, but it wasn't. It seemed like it was a very last-minute choice of acts. And she was great, um, a girl called Safely Faith. She was a very good singer, really good. But there was no one else, and it just felt like a bit of a, an afterthought, and I was a bit disappointed about that. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I, I like their music. If you, so if you haven't checked them out, check it out on Spotify. But if you do get a chance to see them live, they are so good.
3: Yeah, that's a shame. With about the support bands because normally they would, a lot of bands tend to take one band on tour with them, don't they? And then the first, um, the first support band is normally a a local um, act. Yeah, this girl was. She
2: was local from Brighton. She was great. You know, very like I say, she performed really well. But there was no one else. It's just the DJ did a little set in the middle until they came on. So I was expecting to see um, two of their guys, KSR and King Kai, who they were performing up in London and Manchester. But they went on the. uh, the, uh, the list, so that was a show.
3: What was the crowd like? Were they going crazy because it's most people's first show for a while? Yeah, bec-
2: yeah it is because um, again, because of the type of music that they do it's like hip-hop, so, R&B, kind of stuff like that it was just really good vibes in there mm. um, the crowd were really enjoying it everyone was singing the, the lyrics back, they obviously stopped the music so the crowd is singing the words and we're all doing it and it was just really cool and at the end of it everyone was sort of, there's a group of people that were next to us and we're all sort of dancing and having, sort of doing the old handshakes and shoulder touches after saying what a (laughs) cracking night that was because it was everyone just was in a really good mood you're bonded yeah there's no fighting afterwards no rubbish none of that bullshit that unfortunately hip-hop music gets tagged with but it was just really good and everyone really enjoyed it so yeah great vibes out there um
1: i was a bit disappointed with um I mean, it's due to circumstances. That the other, the other week, obviously, when I went to see Genesis, uh, I was then meant to go see Maximo Park later on in the week. And unfortunately, my children got COVID. So we were we were unable to go because me and Kate were meant to go. And yeah, it was kind of going to be the first gig that I'd been to in a long time where I was just going to kind of let loose a bit. Mm. And I never really got to do it. I, I you know, like, my kids are fine. It's everything, you know, that's more more important. But yeah. uh, it, uh, you know, Genesis was. We sat there, we enjoyed the songs, we sang along. But yeah, I was hoping to, like, like Candy said, yeah, get out there and be the first gig in a long time and just have a great time. But uh, unfortunately, didn't get to do it. But hopefully, next time.
2: Yeah, um, I've been playing a bit more of the Last of Us Part Two. I think I'm probably about three quarters of the way through it. Um, I have quite a lot of thoughts about that, and I'm going to discuss it when I finish it, without spoilers, obviously. Um, did I have a crack at that Hell Let Loose. Um, which was a freebie on PlayStation Plus uh, last month. Mm. Um, I don't know. It's kind of endearing. It's this World War II squad-based shooter, um, but it's almost set in realism to the point where, when the match starts, so you can pick USA or Germany, all that kind of rubbish, but you just start in these bases on this huge map. So you Basically, it's like a running simulator. You're running from <laughs> the first place you spawn, and you just have to keep running and wait for people to take over either areas or drop spawn points. Because if you don't and you die, it's this huge trek. Again, if you don't get in a tank or a truck, stuff like that. So this is this real kind of running through the fields. And the odd sniper might take you out. But it, it just feels a lot of it is set in realism. Um mm-hmm. the sound effects are incredible. Um occasionally some um visual moments like um artillery drop in and the smoke effects will look really cool. Um but if you get up too close they're not. <laughs> um and yeah it's quite glitchy. There's a lot of work to be done by Team 17 if they want that game to succeed. But as something different to Battlefield or Call of Duty and you really have to work together. You need it's a mic Without a doubt, you have to have mics on to communicate either with your uh, people online or if you're in the same room like we were, communicating with each other about what we were doing because it's it's really important otherwise you'll fail immediately.
3: Is it um, multiplayer only?
2: Yes. Um, oh, no, I think so. I've never even looked at the campaign, to be honest, so I could be wrong. Uh, it felt like it was only multiplayer, but uh, I might be corrected on that. But yeah, I, I, it just was just something different to play and I quite enjoyed it for free. freebie. It wasn't bad at all. Um, yeah, I'm just I've done I'm looking lots of at the it.
3: screenshots now and actually they look pretty good. It completely passed me by. I didn't even notice that coming out.
2: Yeah, but uh, I do like it. Um, you know, all the weapons and everything uh, all set in that time. Um, so you have to really be careful about what sort of infantry choice you want to be because you're going to be stuck with that for a while. Um, but yeah, just it was it was just different. I really enjoyed it. Um, but the main thing I wanted to talk about um, was the morning show um because oh, yeah. of the free subscription to apple plus for about six months whatever it was that we got offered um which i'm having massive problems with <laughs> yes <laughs> you are how is the apple support going
1: oh they rang me and i didn't recognize the number so i'm was like, i not answering that <laughs> and then they never <laughs> left me a message and then i realized oh literally tonight i was like i didn't get my call and i looked and at the time they were meant to call me it was there was a phone call and i was like oh that'll be them then but yeah i uh, it was really bizarre like i was watching ted lasso and then i went and put the kids to bed i came back down to carry on watching it signed up for the seven day free trial and then you'll be charged after this date it's like well, i already have a free trial going to my settings yeah it says i've got a free trial till january i was like well if i click on this seven day free trial is that going to override it am i going to mm. end up paying in a week's time I like, and yeah it was too late for them to do anything over apple like you know online chat so, yeah, um, I haven't tested it actually since, but yeah, annoyingly, I can't carry on watching Ted Lasso season two.
3: Oh, no. Oh, it's so yeah, good Yeah, that's too. what I'm going
1: to go to
2: in a yeah.
3: minute.
1: <laughs> so, but, but the No one show was one I was going to look at after. So, yeah, it's it.
2: really enjoying it. It's, um stars uh, Jennifer Aniston, Steve Carroll, Reese Witherspoon, um, Mark Duplass, Karen Pittman, and Biddy Craddock, to name a few. Um, the series is basically inspired by um, a book from Brian Stetler's Um, called Top of the Morning, Inside the Cutthroat World of Morning Television, which doesn't sound too risky, but um, this show does a great job of creating that atmosphere. Um, It's created by Jay Carson, developed by Kerry Erin. So imagine Eamon Holmes being fired off the This Morning show due to alleged sexual misconduct. And there's something to think about. (laughs) But um, this is basically how Steve Carroll's Mitch Kessler finds himself as the co-host of America's Top Breakfast show. Um, This isn't spoilers, because this literally happens right off the bat. Um, And then it basically sort of focuses on Aniston as Alex Levy, who was Mitch's co-host on the show, as she has to deal with the fallout and um, her own fight against the network and negotiating her own contract as her career sort of teeters on the edge of ruin as well Um, as a fresh-faced field reporter, which is obviously Reese Witherspoon, threatens her position at the network. Um, it covers obvious topics such as um, the um, Me Too scenario, um, political agendas within media, but it's not doing anything new in that sense. You mm. know, it's kind of like a, a West Wing of TV, and I'm sure there's probably been TV shows made into dramas already about network TV. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think it's done well. Anderson's really good in it. Reese Witherspoon's great. Steve Carroll playing sort of a bit more against type um, as the alleged... Um, and having the affairs in the workplace it's just really good it's a great support from the cast as well um my wife and i we're probably about halfway through the first season but enjoying it yeah really gripping stuff
3: isn't it Mm. apple seemed to be going pretty like from strength to strength it's i think i've said it on the pod before but it's it's not like there's, there's a lot on there but what there is is pretty high standard i think for the most part um a lot of the tv shows I've e- either watched, I've enjoyed, and there's quite a few that the the morning show was it the morning show or the breakfast show?
2: Oh, it's called the morning show.
3: The morning show. Sorry, so that's that's one of the ones that I've actually been interested in watching as well.
2: Oh yeah, I do recommend it, and I think even Stiggy pointed out in um, the Discord the other day that why the last man that we were talking about um, has already been cancelled or dropped, <laughs> which is yeah. again kind of what Netflix are guilty of doing, and it's kind of. You, you're almost worried about investing your time in these shows because they might just suddenly get dropped. I know we kind of talked about it before, but um, I hope the morning show keeps going. I hope Why the Last Man, which I need to check out, does get picked up if it has been cancelled. But...
3: The thing with Netflix is they're quick to cancel things, but they're also quick to pick up things that other networks have cancelled too. So if it does get cancelled by yes, Apple, you never know. loop,
2: isn't it? Of <laughs> who's going to pick up what, you know? Yeah, no, They
1: they showrunners said they're looking for someone else to pick it up. So, yeah. If if someone does, then I'll watch it. Um, I, You know, it was really interesting watching Why the Last Man, but then before I even started it, they said, oh, it's been cancelled. It's like, well, they're hour-long episodes. It's like 10 mm. hours of my time for something that's not going to be resolved. Read the graphic result,
2: It's really good. I mean, it's not your so. thing, but I, I really recommend it. It's a great story. I should give some gra- graphic novels a, a go, to be honest. I'm sure there'll be something
1: out there that I do enjoy. But yeah, that's it. Great. So on to me. I went to the cinema cup, uh, to see two films this week, uh, a double dosing of on the same day, one after the other. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah. So I went to see The French Dispatch and then afterwards I went to see June. So mm. The French Dispatch is a Wes Anderson's new film. And I did have my notes up and I seem to have lost them. There they are. So, this is Wes Anderson's new film, like I said. It stars a plethora of people who have been in Wes Anderson films before. So, you've got Bill Murray, Benicia del Toro, Francis McDormand, Jeffrey Wright, Adrian Brody, Tilda Swinton, Owen Wilson, Timothy Chalamet, Leah Sadu, uh, and Leeve Shriver, Elizabeth Moss, Ed Norton, Willem Dafoe. Christoph Waltz, Jason Schwartzman, the list just goes on and on and on. Yeah, pretty much anyone who's been in a Wes Anderson film before is in this. And it is um, a film about the staff, uh, the American staff at a European publication decides to publish a memorial edition highlighting three best stories from the last decade. An artist sentenced to life imprisonment, student riots and a kidnapping resolved by a chef. And so this is like an anthology piece. So the story starts with Bill Murray's character who is the editor of the French Dispatch. He passes away and he says that um he wants once when, when he passes away, the French Dispatch is to be no long, no more. And it shuts down. And so yeah, this is the last edition, and so they pick the stories to go in this last edition. And it's just Peak Wes Anderson. So, if you like Wes Anderson films, this is Wes Anderson turned up to 11. <laughs> uh, the cast is incredible. Like, as I said, stacked, it doesn't even come close to describing how jammed it is with regulars. <laughs> um, I don't think there's a movie that has been better realized in the, than this in this style of Anderson. It's like a sheer visual pleasure from the get go. It's just, it oozes affection for the time, the place, the people. And it's a bit of an ode to print journalism. So, a what many would consider probably a dying industry. There's a lot, you know, a lot of magazines have gone out of business over yeah. the last decade. Uh, there's still some of like, the world famous ones still holding on there. But yeah, it's a bit of a. Like empire. Yeah, stuff like empire. And uh, this is very much like the New Yorker, like the covers on the French Dispatch. Uh, that you see in the film, and obviously uh, in the credits at the end, it very much looks like the kind of stuff you get on The New Yorker. But uh, yeah, it's it's wonderful. I, I absolutely loved it. Um, the story flickers between that usual Wes Anderson colour palette and mm. black and white, and it kind of mixes some animation in there at some points, and it just kind of goes along at a typical Wes Anderson quick and quippy pace.
2: That reminds me of that plot of... Um, is it Ben... I was going to say Ben Stiller movie, the Life...
1: Life Aquatic. Think, yeah.
2: No, no, uh, the oh. the Life and Times of Walter Mitty or something like that. Have you seen that one? Oh, right. no, yeah, I started yeah.
1: that really late one night and fell asleep. Not the film's fault, just me being knackered and never bothered watching it again. I think it's got
2: a very similar plot about the the end of... I think that was Time magazine or something. I, I can't remember what magazine they were covering that was a real one. Um, very similar that was having its last issue... Out. I think it was, I think he ended up becoming the issue. So I saw that movie a long time ago.
1: Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I, again, if you like Wes Anderson films, and I do like Wes Anderson films, you'll like this. I, I don't see why you wouldn't. Um, the cast are brilliant, the direction is brilliant, and just like the way it looks is spectacular. Like I said, I just, I love his style. I think it's so unique. No one else does it like him. And yeah, everyone's like, oh, it's like the same kind of stuff over and over again. It's like, so what? Like, no one else does films like him. So yeah. why doesn't, you know, he might as well do his films like he does them.
2: Would you like to see him do something completely different? Like, I don't know, imagine him doing like some crime noir, or, but in his kind of style. I think it'd be interesting yeah, to do... Yeah, that would
1: be amazing, like doing a like crime noir in his style.
2: I'd like to see him do something like that. But it would mm. still
1: be in his style. The, the, the script, the way people speak, the pace and everything, with, you know, the framing of it would still be his style. Weirdly enough, the framing of this was weird in the cinema. I think he might have filmed sections of this in four three. Because it didn't fit the screen. <laughs> it was weird. There was times where you couldn't see what the subtitle said. You could only see, like, you could see the first line and then the second line was cut off and you could you could see the top of it and kind of make it out, which was really weird. I don't know whether the... Cinema just had the wrong screen size, or whether it's the he it was weird filmed it. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> that was odd. But it didn't it didn't ruin my enjoyment. He's trying to it record
2: it. The cameraman's trying to record
3: it <laughs> to sell it. <laughs> never sell this now.
1: <laughs> it, it wasn't something that ruined it for me. Or like you didn't you didn't miss anything because of it. But yeah, it was in a weird way. It felt like a swan song for him. A kind of a greatest hit, like heavily laden and with like a sense of finality in it. But He's he's already confirmed another film, so it's not that. It's just the way it comes across is like it could have been in his final film. I was
3: Maybe say, he's do something there. different now. He's only I just looked. He's fifty two, so he's probably got a few more films. in yet, is Steven Spielberg? He's like one hundred and twenty, isn't he? He's still making films.
2: Nineteen forty seven, isn't
1: it? <laughs> it's it's just the way it's just the way it was done. And like the kind of what was going on in the film, just kind of felt like uh, like he was kind of saying this is. Me, but it's not because he's got a new film coming out. But yeah, I I really like that. That went into my top 10 films of the year, like straight away. Someone in in the cinema clapped at the end, which I thought was weird. (laughs) (laughs) It's
2: a shame the other film you saw was rubbish.
1: Oh, the other film? (laughs) Yes, tell us. So the other film I saw, as I said, was Dune, which I met up with Gadget to see straight after. So I came out of the French Dispatch and he was waiting for me, but uh, a nice smiley Gadget full of cold. <laughs> uh and that's why he's not here, because it's got even worse, unfortunately. So get well soon, Gadget. Um but yeah, like June was fucking incredible. And Comics. everything that I wanted it to be. <laughs> uh it's pretty much exactly what Gadget said afterwards. Uh he's said he's absolutely gutted he's not here today to talk about it. So I'm not gonna talk about this too much because we have decided we're gonna do a spoiler cast on it. I believe that Gadget said he'd like to go back and see it again. Um, and Candy's going to see. it. Are you going to go see it, Biggie?
2: Yeah, I, I want to. Because um, we got that hamper, um, we may just go to an ordinary cinema and see it. But I'd like to see it on IMAX mm. if we can. That's that's the impression what we saw
1: do. it in IMAX. So I made like an hour long trip, especially to go see this on IMAX with Gadget up in uh, Newcastle. Uh, it's the only the second time I've ever watched an IMAX film, but this one felt like it needed to be. Mm, mm. I agree. Like the first time I watched was Deadpool two, and that was only because we were just killing time somewhere and it was like, happened to be on at that time. It's like, that, that wasn't a film that needed IMAX, but this, no. this needed IMAX. It was just the scale of it um was just unreal. And the, and the sound was just like vibrating through you. Like the soundtrack to it is incredible. It's a Hans Zimmer one. Um He does a lot of the Hans Zimmer tropes, but also he mixes in a lot of stuff that just works within this world. Uh, there's a lot of new stuff in there that I've not heard him do before, which really worked.
2: Can I ask a question? Yes. If I take my wife to see it, she's not that sort of person that would probably appreciate a movie like that, but would you think she would enjoy it? Or is it kind of very sci-fi, geeky, nerdy, probably go over her head? It's
1: hard sci-fi, but I have heard people who said they haven't read the book and haven't seen the Lynch version or know anything about it who didn't feel like they didn't know what was going on. I felt that like the film mm. kind of perfectly explained what's going on because there's a lot of stuff that, um, in the book it's kind of narrated to you at the start of each chapter, kind of what's going on, and obviously the book has more time to flesh things out. Yeah. Um, so there's no narration in this, there's no like text from Princess Irulan or anything like that. It's just you kind of get a bit of an intro to start with about what happened on June with the Harkonnens and it, and why the Atreides came to arrakis and all that and then that's kind of it and it just kind of sets off from there but there's no like there's no voiceovers or anything like that kind of leading you along um i would say does you like star wars no no then no, don't bother <laughs> 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 because star wars obviously takes a lot of inspiration from june it's, mm-hmm. it's very well known there's there are very, there's a lot of similarities in star wars and june um and if she can't get on with the fun side of Star Wars and that kind of easygoing, she's not going to get on with this.
2: I'll just lie to her and tell her it's a rom-com set in a desert.
3: <laughs> <laughs> now, I actually bought... I, I did mention on the pod, I think, last week, I bought the, the book and the first graphic novel with the intention of reading before I um, went to see it. Um, and ultimately, I haven't been asked to uh, to read it, so I'm going to go in blind. I think it's probably going to be... It'll be interesting if we're going to do a spoiler cast about it to see what it's like from from somebody who has it. Because I do like sci-fi and I do like quite hard sci-fi as well. So it'll be interesting to see how much of it sinks in.
2: Yeah, because I've not the read the book. I've seen the Lynch movie many, many years ago and don't remember anything of it at all apart from sting and Eppie, So
1: <laughs> I, I want to watch that now. now I, d- I didn't want to watch it before I watched this film because I didn't want any anything there. I knew that this film was going to be better than that one, but do you know what I mean? I just didn't want to have any preconceptions about what we should watch what I should expect with for a Dune film. So obviously I've well, I've not read the book, I listened to the audiobook, so it's kind of the same thing. But yeah, so I thought well, I'm gonna watch this film first. And I know that obviously the Lynch film is very maligned, but I'm still interested to see his take on it now that I've seen, you know, the first part of Villeneuve's take on it anyway. This is the first part, so this does end in a, a set point. I have seen people complain about the ending. I personally have no problem with it because, it like I said, I already knew it's going to be part one. There's no way you could tell this story over a two and a half, three hour film. Mm. Everything's nailed down properly. Like he's really nailed the book in this, and that's even with taking out a few storylines, which are you know are good parts of the book, but not pivotal pivotal enough that it'll ruin this. It ruins this film. There's Mm. plenty in there for for you to digest, and I just. I don't see why people are moaning about the ending. It ends in a perfect point for me. It makes sense where it ends in the book. Soon after, a little bit of a spoiler, but not. There is a time jump, so it makes sense to stop it before that time jump. So yeah, like there's something that happens near the end or at the end that starts this next. You know what's going to be the events.
2: Yeah, it makes sense.
1: A bit like the Fellowship, something yeah. happens and I've, which makes Frodo decide I have to go off on my own. There's something happens here that is then going to lead into the other thing. The biggest complaint I'd have is that they don't have part two already done.
3: Mm. I think that's probably a lot of people's. Um, cons- well, it's it hasn't been advertised as a two or three part. It has it. That, that's so if you're going into it without realizing and you have read the, read the book, you might think, oh, so they're only doing half. And if you haven't read the book, it might seem quite a sort of jarring finish. So maybe that's something. Yeah, I'll be but, able to yeah let know.
1: because because it is advertised at just Dune. Mm. And then when you when the credits roll all the beginning when it does the whole title credits it says June Part One, right? <laughs> so that's the point when you're in the cinema that it tells you that this is Part One. But I, I have no problem with the ending. I think it all works really well. Uh, like I said, I think everything is pretty much exactly as I expected it to be, bar a few political bits and some stuff surrounding like um, some characters not trusting other characters. Which taking that out hasn't changed it at all. I think the cast is absolutely stellar. I think Can you say that they're, nails they're,
2: they haven't started the sequel yet? Nope.
1: Ooh. I've heard more positive things that this is potentially going to happen. But it's, it's just weird. Villeneuve is very confident in it happening. Um, I'm hoping it does. I'm hoping that Warner Brothers and HBO are deciding to put it out for streaming services in America the same day it came to cinemas in America and the UK. as Is it going to bite them on the ass. I don't mm. know why they couldn't just wait. Mm.
2: See, it's quite a big cast as well. So then you've got to get them all, to, you know, assuming whoever made it, um they've got to get them together, haven't they? And start all that again.
1: Fine. So the cast includes, say, Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Zendaya, Jason Momoa, Stellan Skarsgård, uh, Josh Brolin, Javier Bardem, uh, Dave Batista, David Dashmalkian, and a load of other people. And yeah, if the problem with not filming this back to back is if it then comes to the point where right we've been greenlit right this is your start date if they're off doing other big budget mm. films like what happens if this starts in the middle of guardians 3 filming mm. yeah like i'm i to be honest i think Batista, but his love for stuff like this he would probably film guardians and then write this is my day off tomorrow i'm off to do june that's the kind of person he is but mm. yeah it's a very risky business with not having filmed this back to back at least with lord of the rings you knew at the yeah. end of the fellowship part 2 comes out next year yeah but uh, the first thing i said after it to gadget was just like i need part 2 now <laughs> like, i, I could have watched part 2 straight after yeah. would
3: it be would it be a spoiler to say how long of, how long of a time jump it actually is between where it ended and the next part 2 years so it's not even like they were maybe at, waiting for some of the cast members to um age a bit because timothy chalamet Chalamet looks super young still doesn't he
1: yeah see that was um i was listening to an interview regarding villeneuve and said obviously paul is 15 in the book the reason he he, he chose chalamet was because he looks kind of he still looks young on camera Mm. but he's just such a good actor that paul is actually very mature for his age So he can play that maturity as well as looking the part and looking young. And I think they chose the right person for it. I think the casting, he's absolutely nailed with it, to be honest. I think everyone's perfect. And Stone Starsguard as a Baron is just spot on. He's gone full prosthetics to wear this like huge, awful, just gluttonous bodysuit of a horrible (laughs) man. Yeah, he's eight hours a day or something, sat in the uh, prosthetics chair and putting the makeup on and everything for it. So And a lot of the stuff actually is... um, practical i think helen touched on it a few weeks ago there was very little green screen
2: yeah it's about the sets wasn't it she went to see a lot of
1: set stuff and practical effects and obviously there's green screen probably where they needed to it and cgi but yeah it's brilliant for two and a half hours it didn't drag it didn't feel like they needed to cram action in despite having some action set pieces and it just spent a good amount of time and a fair pace with character development and i think it's brilliant i think everyone should go out and give it their money so we can get part two <laughs> because if i don't get part two i'm gonna cry
3: <laughs> and we can't have that
1: no so yeah uh june go see it it's now my number one film of the year, uh, mm, my favorite the uh, on film so i'm uh i'm looking forward to yeah, if we do a spoiler cast on it to really delving into it and talking about the differences between that and the book
3: i want to read the book now <laughs> i can't wait <laughs> 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 only one more week's fine
1: yeah. Well, can you how how quick are you readings? Not
3: very quick. I like to play the whole thing in my head like a little um like a little play.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm terrible. I, I read so slow that I retain a lot of knowledge about what I read in books, but it takes me ages to read through them because I almost even when I start to speed read, I almost find myself slowing down. So I, I'm read the book I read the book in my head like I would do if I was reading it out loud.
3: That's exactly what I do. Like it's um the trouble is I don't retain it, though, so it's not as good that you read slowly retain it. I read slowly and still don't.
1: Yeah, my friend said this before. It's was like, we talk about these books. I was like, oh, yeah, this happened, that happened. He's like, I can't remember that. It says He says he read these massive, chunky books, the King King of Chronicles, in one week when he was on holiday. He's like, I enjoyed them at the time, but I can't remember anything that happens in them.
3: He'd been at the Pina Coladas, probably.
1: Remember little, so yeah, remember that as well. <laughs> Yeah, so that's us for the week, um, and we're going to move on to our main subject. So, Biggie, what are we talking about this week?
2: Yeah, this week we're talking about rip-offs and copycats. Which film, game, book, the usual bits do we enjoy or dislike that blatantly ripped off something else or copied loads of ideas from other stuff? So, basically, our podcast is the original and everyone copies us. Yes. <laughs> Inferiorly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so first up, we'll start with uh, yourself, Candy.
3: So in July 2005, within a day of each other, two separate TV shows were released. One was a reality TV show. It was set in a tattoo shop in Las Vegas that followed the day-to-day life of tattoo artists and their clients. The clients would share their tattoo ideas and stories with the artists and cameras, and we watched as they got their ideas tattooed, along with various shop hijinks. The shop also had a tattoo apprentice that was often used as a whipping boy while they learned the trade, um, and the show was called Inked. The day after, um, a, t- a reality TV show set in a tattoo shop in my a tattoo shop in Miami. It followed the day-to-day life of tattoo artists <laughs> and the clients. The clients would share their tattoo ideas and stories with the artists and cameras, and we watch as they get their ideas tattooed, along with various shop hijinks. The shop also had a tattoo apprentice that was often used as a whipping boy whilst they learnt their trade, and the show was called Miami Ink. Um. Now, obviously, because they were released within a day of each other, one didn't copy the other. I think probably what happened was the idea was pitched to multiple studios, and one probably pinched the idea from the other. <laughs> yeah. Um, But the trouble was, from there, it didn't just spawn one copycat. It spawned an entire genre of um copycat shows, which all did slightly different things, but essentially it was... They followed the same formula, so it's all, like, reality TV, all high drama. Um, And I went on Wikipedia and actually counted 19 tattoo shows that were released between 2005 and 2019. So you've got – this isn't in chronological order, by the way. I think it's – yep, it's alphabetical. So you've got Bad Ink. You've got Best Ink. You've got Black Ink Crew. You've got Black Ink Crew Chicago. You've got Black (laughs) Ink Crew Compton. Bondi Ink Tattoo Crew. Epic Ink, How Far Is Tattoo Far, Inked, (laughs) Ink Master, Ink Master Angels, Just Tattoo of Us, LA Ink, London Ink, Miami Ink, New York Ink, Tattoo Fixers, Tattoo Nightmares, and Tattoo Titans.
2: And Tattoo Corpses. (laughs)
3: That'll be the next one. (laughs) And it's just, as I said, it's just the same rehash shit over and over again. And what it's quite nice to see that there has been some... To see the difference between tattoo shows um, 15 years ago and today, you can kind of see the um, the leaps and bounds that tattooing has made, both with the techniques and the way customers are handled. Now, I do know a thing or two about working in a tattoo studio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Being as I've been a tattoo artist for the last 15 years myself.
2: As a sweeper.
3: As a sweeper, I make the teas and coffees if I'm lucky. That's a good day. <laughs> um, But... I think more the reason of this being a copycat is the impact it's had on the tattoo industry as well. It's it's such it been such a double-edged sword in that it's brought tattooing to the limelight, which is great. You know, so many more people are coming in to get tattooed. You've got older people coming in. You've got parents that are bringing their kids in because they want them to get a good tattoo rather than they're going, you know, go to a scratcher. But then you also get people like coming in thinking you're all going to... All, all the artists in the shop are going to come running at you with their sketchbooks, and they'll sit down and do a drawing. You get to choose which one you want. It's just not like that, guys. Please, even <laughs> even the concept of a walk-in is, it's kind of laughable at this point, especially after the last couple of years we had. Um, but the but the trouble with the shows is they do tend to err on the side of drama as well, like all of them. So people will come in with a preconceived idea that they have to make up this long. Sad story about why they're getting a tattoo and why it's important. It's like I don't care. It's just, just tell me what you want. If you want a tattoo because you think it looks cool, just do it. Yes. Um,
1: That's, I'm all about that. Some exactly. people are like, um, oh, what do tattoos mean? Anything? I said, yeah, I got one for my daughter and everything. But everything else is just because I like it and I think it looks
3: cool. And um, yeah, and why shouldn't you? So it has yeah. gone on a bit of a tangent. Um, my topic, and um, it's it's not a sounding board for me, but they, yeah, the amount, the sheer amount of um. Copy shows that they have out is just unreal, and I think there's still a lot of them going as well. Because um, the the last one I'm just looking now, just tattoo of us, I think is still going.
2: I've seen that one. That's the one with people stitch the other person up, isn't it?
3: Yeah, yeah. we talked
1: yeah. about that on Trash TV. Yeah, yeah. Like that's horrendous. That show.
3: Yeah. So the concept is they'll normally be a pair. It'll be best friends, or it'll be um, a boyfriend and girlfriend, and they get to choose the other person's tattoo. And they can either stitch them right up or it'll be things like, will you marry me? And just, God, I hope they say yes. And um...
1: Yeah. These shows are just like, um, like you said, they're all, they have to create like fake drama and fake like X-Factor stories around things, don't they? Because they can't just have a show that shows people getting awesome tattoos. There has to be something about Concept. it. Concept. Yeah. it has to be like these personalities who then go off and do their own spin-off tattoo shows and I think like is it Kat Von D like became quite a big name out of these shows and then she went off and did her own like shows and other stuff and things like that and it's just yeah they all just became a bit samey didn't they like yeah, and then, that... then it was like oh well, let's now we have to find a a gimmick like tattoo fixes or just the, the two of us or something it's like
3: yeah but it's all the same thing and it's all stemmed from the first two shows inked and Miami ink and you know this this fake kind of drama around it I, I wonder if, like, if because British TV doesn't tend to go in for the drama side of things. Like when I'm thinking of Bake Off and stuff, people tend to help each other, don't they? But if you think that was set in America, they'd all be fighting over the ingredients. <laughs> so I wonder yeah. if the original tattoos um, reality shows, if they'd started in the UK, I wonder if we'd be dealing with some, I wonder if it, it would have even taken off to begin with, or if it would have been a completely different set of shows altogether where it was about healthy competition and helping each other and getting a tattoo because you like it, not because it's, you know, your best friend's cat's sister died tragically.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a new show, The Great British Tattoo Off.
3: Oh, God, please. Hope to God they aren't listening. (laughs) Would that be a a laser show, though? If it's a tattoo off, it's like tattoo removal.
1: (laughs) God, no. Just people sat in, like, getting laser tattooed, screaming. (laughs) Does
3: it smell like bacon? (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I apologize that that was a bit of a sounding board, but that was my pick because it's just... The the sheer amount is just ridiculous. Come on, guys, please stop.
1: Yeah, the worst thing about um, things like uh, tattoo fixes as well it's like you said, like it, they make it look like, oh, I've just, I've just come in and I want to get this fixed, and someone's just ready there, available to go. Like, oh yeah, okay, let's sit down and we'll draw this out and we'll do that. And then the best thing is when they fuck up. Yeah. There is a famous one from tattoo fixers where he does a stop a pocket watch, and he puts the Roman numerals for nine on twice.
3: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I've done something worse than that.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You don't have to disclose
3: it. <laughs> pr- I'll, I'll, I'll disclose it in the Patreon section.
0: Oh,
1: <laughs> nice. Well, there you go. That's, if you if you <laughs> want to hear about what Candice fuck ups, so then you've got to uh, you got to pay
3: for it. <laughs> <laughs> Shit happens. I'm only human. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I
2: mean, there's some, you know, obviously some amazing tattoos. You know, that the ones with that 3D effect and stuff, and they could show mm. how that's done and mm. make it an interesting show. You know, showing the quality of the art behind it as opposed to the that bullshit that you mentioned you know
3: yeah if it was an educational show although mm. that does run the risk of them people thinking they could just pick up a tattoo machine and, and go so i think it would be it would have to be a sort of fine balance but the the ones that are out at the moment it is it is all just the same it's you know it, it's just high, not high drama and yeah
1: yeah yeah awesome so biggie what about yourself
2: yeah um I was trying to find it quite difficult to narrow something down for this. And then this just popped into my head. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, this seems so obvious to me. So I think um, I'm probably going to upset Stiggy and a few other people um, no. in the Discord. But um, Super Mario Kart on the SNES, I believe, came out in 92, I'm going to say. Something like that. Somewhere around there.
1: 92, 93, depending on where you live, I
2: think. And <laughs> it was always sort of... Revered as, you know, the greatest kart racing game ever. Lots of people talk very highly about it, and Nintendo themselves have released many a sequel. Not as many as Stiggy wants, but <laughs> they've released a few. They've released
1: th- some crackers, though.
2: They have, they have. But the simple fact is that Crash Team Racing is the greatest kart racing game ever. Fact. Nope. Yep. <laughs> kart
3: 8 is fact. In 1999,
2: this was released for the PlayStation 1 by, of course, Naughty Dog. And it was the fourth game in the Crash Bandicoot series. And then they turned it into a racing kart game. And everyone went, oh, shit, what have they done? <laughs> but in fact, that actually created the greatest kart racing game ever. It was praised in its day for uh, its gameplay and graphics. Players take control of 1 to 15 of Crash Bandicoot characters from the series. Um, eight are obviously for, only available to begin with, so you have to unlock them as you go. Um, It does have exactly the same kind of things that all the other kart racing games have. Different tracks. Oh, there's one on ice. Oh, there's one in the desert and so on. But um, it's even got the, um, instead of the question boxes that you have on Mario Kart, they've got the crates from Crash Bandicoot with the question mark. Hit them during the race. And yes, you get dynamite or you get some shield. But they... Exactly, <laughs> but what they ripped it off and improved on the formula, and they made the greatest racing game ever. And they also added in the um, little detail about doing the drifting, the sort of the little power boosting as you go around the corners, um, which you could do up to three, I think it was. And if you copped up as you were trying to be really sort of sneaky going around the level, then you'd do a spin out. There were shortcuts that were. Sort of missed at first but as you got to learn the track you suddenly spot these little detours you could take which would obviously cut down on your time and totally piss off one of your mates because it was one of the greatest couch co-op racing games ever so
1: um, like everything about this what you're saying just makes me angry that this is just a rip-off of mario kart but then that's why we're here yeah this week. <laughs> there are <laughs> so many is.
3: rip-ups of rip-ups of uh mario kart though aren't there i'm just trying to oh, think. Yeah. I mean, there was Diddy Kong Racing, which is, I don't know if you can call it a rip-off exactly because it is Nintendo characters, but it was.
1: I find that he kind of tried to do its own thing as well with having a story in the island. Yeah. Drive around on in
2: three different vehicles, and, and you, had, you had the boss battles to unlock the characters. and Jeff Gertzman basically said at GameSpot called the game a great Mario Kart clone, and then it succeeded. Where similar games like Mega Man Battle and Chase, Bomberman Fantasy Race, Diddy Kong Racing, which Candy mentioned, Chocobo Racing, and Mario Kart had failed.
1: Mario Kart fit Mario Kart.
2: And fail. Eurogamer said Crash Shh. Team Racing is a gold standard remaster because obviously it's just come out uh, about two years ago as a remaster and they basically just gave it some fresh graphics and tinkered a little bit here and there, but generally it's exactly the same game. Um, oh, because I've played that
1: and it's shit. It's not. If that's the same game, it is it nowhere is. near as good as Mario Kart. No Mario Kart sucks. And no, Kat it Trim, doesn't. The... I, have you played the remake? I, I played it, and it's not like people said this is a really great one. Same with like Sonic Racer as well. Like, but in they're, not, all they're honesty, not
2: as good as Mario Kart. I fact. was never actually a big, massive fan of um, Mario Kart on the SNES. It just wasn't for me. Um, I like the. Yeah, wasn't very good. <laughs> I played. I think it was Stump Racer, which is really cool on the SNES. Really enjoyed that. Um, but, yeah, when I got my PlayStation, this was like the racing game. Um, yeah, Eurogamer I called this game Essential. Essential. Yeah, Eurogamer. Um, but, yeah. I'm a, a massive fan of this game. And if you haven't played it, whether you play the PSX or the remaster, it's just a really great, great racing game. And, yes, it's arguably better than Mario Kart. Some will say it's not. Some will say it is. And those that say it is are correct.
3: Mm play Mario Kart 8 that's all you need (laughs) (laughs) there's one game I've been trying to remember the name of it I'm not sure if I think it might already be out and I'm pretty sure it's called Mole Kart and it's a Chinese ripoff I think it's by Tencent and the tracks are literally exactly the same as one of the more recent Mario Karts and if you have I'm just going to have a look I'm sure it's I'm sure
1: there is Uh, there's there's been plenty of like there's Garfield Simpsons perhaps there's just yeah I'm looking now I've got a list it says the six most bizarre Mario Kart ripoffs we have uh, Garfield Kart Mm-hmm. Angry Birds Go Mupp- uh, Muppets Race Mania Digimon <laughs> uh, Racing Shrek Smash and Crash Racing <laughs> Star Wars Super Bombard Racing. Oh,
2: god, yes, the Star Wars. And that, then
1: man. there's other ones Konami Crazy Races, Sonic Drift 1 and 2, uh, Walt Disney World Quest Racing Game. So many like Mario Kart ripoffs, it's incredible how many made a kart game. But just ripped off some of elements of Mario Kart with the boxes. But a lot of them the get it wrong. They
2: missed the... that fun point. And I think whatever you love about Mario Kart, it's the same thing for me for this in Crash is that there's something about that game that I enjoy, whether it's the silly noises the characters make, the those near knuckle. I mean, everyone knows about the memes and the jokes around the turtle shell um, for Mario Kart. And for me, it was the nitro boxes that you could time dropping behind you onto your mate's head at that last second. <laughs> Um yeah, there's lots of little sneaky little things that you can do to piss people off and win the race when you're, you know, almost at the back. It's just, it was great fun. It's rubber banding racing, but it, it's a fun aspect. And those titles that you mentioned just missed the point. Whatever they tried to do, they just didn't get it quite right.
3: That's my problem with Mario Kart. It fucking cheats. Like, you don't have to be good <laughs> at Mario Kart to win, and you can be the most skilled person, and all it takes is just a red shell, a blue shell, and... A boost, and the person that was in last wins. And I can't, I just can't play it with friends. I've done <laughs> it hard way. I can't do it because I'm the it. fucking best, and they always win.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can't play it with the kids anymore because I always win. Like they, they <laughs> want to play, but they want to play on like the lowest CCs. Yeah, it's like, no fun because I always win. Uh, hopefully, when they get a bit older and get a bit better, it'll be it'll get better. But the um, we used to have a colleague me, and my wife used to work with, and his tactic on Mario Kart was to hold, stay to the back, get himself a bullet and then work his way up because yeah. he knew how to get up there, get to like fourth or third, hit the bullet and then just zoom so far ahead and first that no one would be able to catch him, <laughs> which is, a, a, which I have tried and it's a really hard tactic to do.
2: Yeah. That, that's the thing. Everyone has their little way of winning races. Yeah, I
1: just, I just race. Got me a Cooper Trooper and he's uh you get fast, I go for top acceleration and mid-speed because if you crash, you can get away quickly.
2: Mm. But the thing is, when you're racing against someone that is of your level, yeah, then that's where the fun is because that tension comes in because you don't want to lose. And I know, Stiggy, you're very competitive and I can imagine oh, yeah. you <laughs> losing it. And it's just kind of when... It's all right if you're playing against people you can beat, but when you have somebody that you know can turn the tide, that, that's... The fun in those games, that's where yeah. that pressure comes I
1: need, straight. I need a challenge on Mario Kart. Yeah. I don't have it within my house. So, <laughs> As much Wait. as I love that game, this is why I want a new one, because I've played 8 to death. I've nailed it. I have no challenge in my house. Give me a new games, then that I can enjoy it and have a challenge again of learning the new tracks. And So, yeah. But I love Mario Kart. I love Mario Kart 8. Um, maybe I'll give Crash Team Racing another go. But for me, the problem is... I'm playing it, going, it just isn't Mario Kart, is it? <laughs> it's a rip-off. It is. That's what it is.
3: There's a new um, Chocobo Racing. Speaking of rip-offs, there's a new Chocobo yeah, Racing as that. well. Fuck that's that. coming out soon. I'm fuck quite excited for that. that. <laughs> Mario Kart with Final Fantasy songs. Perfect. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll
1: have none of that on this podcast. Thank you very much. Get
3: out. <laughs> you can join the others.
1: I'm in charge today
2: (laughs) yeah that's it for me
1: cool right I am going to talk about a bunch of films I've never seen because I'm going to talk about the kings of the mockbusters the production company called the asylum have any of you heard of the asylum before
2: no I think I have But it depends what you're going to say and then it'll ring some bells, hopefully.
1: So they're an American independent film company and distributor that focuses on low-budget video films. The company is notorious for producing titles that capitalise on uh, productions by major studios. So they often use the same kind of titles or similar scripts of current blockbusters to try and lure customers. So this was founded in 1997 and originally it was just a... Someone, a company that did low-budget films, and they weren't really getting the success they wanted. But in 2005, they launched their own version, low-budget version of War of the Worlds. And this came out at the same time as Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds. So it gained a little bit of attraction because it was like you had this huge Hollywood blockbuster, War of the Worlds, with Tom Cruise and Steven Spielberg at the helm. And then all of a sudden... On the shelves in Blockbuster, in uh, Tesco's, and all the video shops and, and supermarkets, there's this is well, this War of the Worlds on the shelf. What's this? And it kind of took off, and they started to make money from these low budget knockoffs of blockbusters. <laughs> and they, since then, they then went to produce thirty of these mockbusters over the next four years. They, they usually tend to make profit as well. They can't call it the same movie though, can they? Some of them do some of them are.
3: I've found my favourite title already, I'll wait.
1: Yeah, I I'm gonna go through some of the titles, don't you worry. I'm gonna <laughs> go through the titles and some of the plots of these films, but my god, they I don't know how they get away <laughs> with it. I really don't. So yeah, the, these films tend to cost half a million to a million, depending on maybe the the type of film it is and if it's a sci-fi. They might need some CGI work doing and stuff like that. They all look horrendous. The acting I mean, I've seen the trailers. And I've seen clips. The acting's awful. The costumes are second... Not, not second-rate. They're like third-rate <laughs> awful costumes. I've seen cosplayers with better costumes than <laughs> I've seen in some of the, the clips of these films. But they still make profit. They still make about £250,000 profit. And the amount of films that they've done They've probably earned around fifty to sixty million pounds
3: because people are renting them accidentally. I think that's the case. <laughs> yeah. I generally think
1: that someone might look and go, "Oh, the Hobbit," <laughs> and then they see the Hobbit on Amazon Prime, like, oh, "I'm going to get that and watch it." Then oh, wait, find this out is the Bobbit. Nothing like the Hobbit. <laughs> so the um the I'm going to go through uh, a few of them and just to talk about a few of the plot lines as well. So this is like the, some of their worst knockoffs. So Pacific Rim, they did one called Atlantic Rim. <laughs> uh, the the uh, day the Earth stood still, we got the day the Earth stopped. <laughs> Transformers, we got one called Transmorphers. Nice. Alien versus Predator, we got Alien versus Hunter, and then and but the thing with this one is the Alien and the Predator in their film, they, they look so similar that. You look at that box art. If you weren't too clued up on it, you'd think that was the official product. There's obviously for people like us who know that's definitely not Alien versus Predator, but they've they've got to the point where they've clearly done enough to the design that looks like those films, but not enough that they could get sued. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's a fine line they're yeah, walking parano- down there.
1: Yeah, paranormal entity instead of paranormal activity. <laughs> uh Sunday school musical
3: <laughs> I'm actually interested in that. that sounds good how bad would that one be uh what else they we done got? a version
2: of joker called tricker or something
1: <laughs> oh there's loads mate honestly if you go on there on the on the list of films on wikipedia hillside cannibals pirates pirates of the treasure island the da vinci treasure now this one looks spectacular. This is meant to be a bit like a Da Vinci Code meets National Treasure. (laughs) And, like, the box art here has, like, this woman in, like, a bit of a a leotard and a guy back-to-back like pointing their guns. So, like, nothing like the Da Vinci Code. Mm -hmm. Nothing like National Treasure, but apparently it's meant to be a mixture of them both. The Titanic (laughs) 2. So, Titanic 2 apparently... As the premise of this film is that the ship called Titanic 2 is recreated the Titanic's maiden and only a 100 years ago after it sank. The whole movie creeps pretty heavily on the original story, but in a brilliant stroke of creativity, the Titanic 2 is struck by an iceberg that is hurled at them by a tsunami. So they, got, <laughs> they get by these... They kind of do these similar plots, these similar films, but get by it by just changing these slight details.
3: The thing is, they wouldn't have even had to change Titanic, would they? Because it's a true story. It's not like it's, it's a copywritten yeah, exactly. story.
1: Mm. <laughs> they probably yeah. could have just done Titanic and done the same thing. <laughs> like There's one here called The Terminators where they, they actually look like The Terminators, but the film's nothing to do with Terminators. So you might pick that up thinking it's a Terminator <laughs> film and it's not a Terminator film. It's just some <laughs> awful knockoff. off
2: people that kill bugs or something.
3: That's somebody's grandma <laughs> that's gone down to Blockbuster or something. yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> Is this the one you want, dear?
1: Oh, God. <laughs> this is a complete tangent from um, from this, but that's just reminded me of my brother and well, my wife's grandma. When she got a film for my brother-in-law on Christmas, she got it. She got in this Twilight DVD,
3: <laughs>
1: but it wasn't a Twilight DVD. It was a documentary. It was, like, about the town that Twilight's in <laughs> for the real Twilight fans, <laughs> and he opened it up, and he was like... <laughs> when we read it it's like oh thanks grandma and the look on his face was just like what is this <laughs> aids like twilight anyway but the fact that this was like a, a documentary about the town that Twilight's set in <laughs> oh my <man>, grandmas <laughs> it is this is these are the kind of films a grandma would think of picking up and oh yeah my my son likes uh the terminator films i'll get him this
3: well i'm hoping uh my grandma nanny nunu will come <laughs> come home this christmas with uh Asteroid-ageddon
1: <laughs> Oh yeah <laughs> I generally can't believe Some of these Like you go through them It's like I, So if I If I gave you this one Biggie, If I said I am
2: Omega Oh I am legend right
1: Yeah The 18 year old virgin Instead of the 40 year old virgin <laughs> Which To me Completely negates The whole point Of the 40 year old virgin yep. Because the point is That he's fought in a virgin A, a virgin Whereas an 18 year old Might be a virgin So what's the That's not really that Funny <laughs> But then they do stuff like Twenty Twelve Supernova, same film got Twenty Twelve in the title, but we'll stick a you know Supernova on the end.
3: Even the even the covers look the same, don't they? I know this isn't going to translate from the podcast, but if yeah. you look it up on Google, the the covers are just like absolute ripoffs as well.
1: Yeah, they've done. A, they're going to do uh, June one is scheduled to come out this year. Uh Ape versus Monster from this year. is <laughs> 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 obviously King Kong versus uh, Godzilla. Um oh man, just loads, but my favourite, my very, very favourite of this has to be not it's not snakes on a on a plane. No no no, no. This is snakes on a train.
2: Snakes on a train. They <laughs> got a version of Kill Bill but it's called Kill Dave or something.
1: <laughs> Kill oh, my, oh, actually there is a really good one. Let me see if I can find it. So, Reservoir Cats. No, that, that's the kind of thing you would find with them. So, you know, The Exorcism of Emily Rose? Yeah. They've just got one that's called Exorcism, The Possession of Gail Bowers.
3: <laughs> is it she in <Jean> Coronation Street? <laughs> yeah,
2: that explains yeah. a lot.
1: Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, snakes on, a, snakes on a Train, my God. It says here, 2016 Snakes on a Plane is sort of a charming B movie pastiche that aims for midnight cult movie status. What makes Snakes on a Plane work plot-wise is you can't get off the plane midair, so there's no escape. So the asylums, Snakes on a Train, however, is aware that fleeing a train is a bit more realistic, so they really ratchet up the insanity of the plot. A woman, afflicted by a Mayan curse, has dozens of snakes rapidly hatching within her body oh. and she needs to go to Los Angeles from her native Mexico to find a shaman to undo the curse. She takes a train and obviously the snakes escape their fleshy incubator and wreak havoc on the passengers on board.
2: <laughs> Everyday occurrence.
3: I found a good one for us here. There's Invasion of the Pod People. Ooh. That's their official podcast film.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd love to... I'd love to watch some of these, but I'm not sure I really want to because I'm gonna. I know they're gonna be terrible, but they clearly have an audience for this. Like it's the going, eh?
3: Huh?
1: Stoners, St- stoners, yeah, maybe. But there are people that love this kind of shit. You know, like the uh, shark and yeah. Mega Shark versus something. Oh, there, there actually is one a shark one. Instead of Planet of the Apes, it's Planet of the Sharks. <laughs> <laughs> and i just wonder whether it's like get your damn
2: dirty fins off me
1: yeah i just wonder whether it's like a load of sharks or whether it's like sharks that have mutated into like humans a bit like the apes did so you just got these like king shark style (laughs) characters wandering around (laughs) but yeah I, I, i that's why i'd want to watch some of them but i just i don't know if i have the time to just watch these schlocky horrible really Bad low budget films.
3: I can't believe just how many there are as well. It's just the list is going on and on. I do actually want to watch them as well. Yeah. Oh, the Martian Land, that looks good. The they've, they've
1: done 500 films ish over their lifetime. But as I said, not all of these are these mockbusters. And some of them, they did a load of films before they kind of clocked onto this being a viable option.
2: Oh, I hope they have the same kind of actors as well. Imagine the, the same kind of actors reappearing <laughs> in all these different movies, different characters. <laughs> A bit like American a cinematic story.
3: universe. <laughs> yeah, some of them are just <laughs>
2: yeah. the same name. So
1: the film Eleven 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 is Eleven is Eleven 11 Eleven. So what they've got, the way they've got around with it, is done Eleven Slash Eleven Slash Eleven. But these these are the ultimate ripoff. And I thought of a few of the things I was going to talk about, which I'll touch on in the Patreon section. I just I thought no, I have to just talk about the asylum because for years and years I've been just I've just wondered about them. Do you know what I mean? Like
2: I wonder if any of our listeners have actually seen any of this I, I've seen their DVDs the DVDs
1: on the shelf and I've seen the for whatever reason I've seen kind of stuff pop up on Twitter and that before. Like and it's always when a big movie comes out. Mm. So they've got one here which is an Avengers uh ripoff but it's not so what they've done is ripped off Avengers and Once Upon a Time. So they've mixed grim fairy tales with Avengers. So they've done like an Avengers style film, but using characters from grim fairy tales. <laughs> <laughs> Triassic World.
3: That's the like... one that I saw immediately. <laughs> That's the one for me. Triassic World.
1: Yeah, I I just find it absolutely incredible that they've managed to, to this day, get away with it by just changing the name. Oh, here's one for you, Biggie. Fast and Fierce. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds
2: like me in the bed.
3: I was going to say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's my picks this week. Uh, the Asylum movies. If you have watched an Asylum film or I, I've enjoyed some, please let us know because I'm
2: really just yeah. perplexed about where, where would you start? How this Although, to be honest, exist. Fast and Fierce might even be better than Fast and Furious. So I might give it Don't a Don't you shot. say it. Don't you say it. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, so yeah, the asylum films—the ultimate ripoff of anything. They will just take Pick. any any blockbuster and make a ripoff, even to the point though that they just use the name and the plot is different. And that's what boggles my mind even more is that they'll just clearly take a, a name of something and then just make their own story up just to try and trick people into watching mm. their film. So yeah, asylum films,
3: <laughs> amazing. Great.
1: Uh with that, yeah, it's a bit short this week, isn't it? Like We're already we're only uh, an hour and ten or something in, and uh, we're done. So then we'll go on to the mailbag. I think bulging Biggie's, sack time. Yeah, I think Biggie's going to uh, get his bulging sack out this week for us.
2: <laughs> and what a big bundle it is. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we'll start with uh, Terrestrial Extra. Um, he put the blatant clone games on home computers, like the Acorn electron and bbc micro in the lawless 80s snapper pac-man killer gorilla donkey Kong, <laughs> e-type outrun gauntlet defender no they weren't perfect and today would be illegal but they're all i had and i love them are they going by your movie section maybe not maybe they would still get away with it yeah do you
1: know what if they if they weren't too much of a rip off, maybe they would I'm going, again, I'll talk about something in Honourable Mentions where somehow something that's a blatant rip-off managed to avoid losing a court case because of minor details. It's crazy.
2: <laughs> so then uh, Futile Excise comes in with Fortnite, just nicking everyone's mm. ideas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. But being I mean, the most successful by Bizarrely.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, its original premise, the Battle Royale wasn't even their main thing, was it? It was a single-player <laughs> thing, and... Battle Royale, they just added that in because I think, uh, what's the other one that was doing? The original one, PUBG. PUBG, yeah, was doing so well, and then it took off, and now it's just massive. It's probably it's definitely the biggest Battle Royale game, isn't it? For sure,
2: Apex Legends. I've not played that.
1: Yeah, and and then obviously, yeah, everyone started to rip it off. So COD's got its own version now. Apex is kind of like uh, EA's version. Then they tried to put it into Battlefield, but no one really gives a shit about the Battlefield version nope Mm. yeah i I just i just don't get on with them the problem i find with um battle royale games is i am shit at them so you 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 run in there you go looking for guns you go looking for resources you might get shot straight away yeah it's like oh great now i have to wait for for the rest of my team to die or you have to log back out go into another lobby log back in do the whole jumping find new stuff and they're all right ones. I did play a bit of Fortnite when it first came out, and if you got a team and you go far, they're quite it. fun. But people are so good at them now that it's
2: yeah. I did like Cod Warzone. I thought that was good. That was as a freebie as well. Yeah, excellent.
1: the thing the thing I do like about Warzone actually is I've played is the Gulag. It does give you that one chance to get back in the game.
2: Yeah, and your, your teammates can buy you back in depending on the, yes. the one that you're playing. But uh, yeah, I agree. It's uh, it can be just as frustrating.
3: I think the yeah. thing with Fortnite as well is it's a it's a scary business model for consumers. Like you know, you're upfront no cost, but it's so easy to sink so much time and money into these things, and yeah. it's aimed at kids as well. Um, and it's scary that so many people are ripping off this this kind of business model because Fortnite has made multiple billions. Like the amount of money it's made is absolutely unreal. And all they do events
2: companies... and concerts or weird. Presentations and stuff as well in game, don't they? It's 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 a whole different entity cool. now. Yeah,
3: yeah I, I really like that they do concerts on there. I think that's a really cool idea, especially like with the last couple of years, haven't been able to go out and everything. But it's um that kind of thing is original and I haven't seen that in any other games. But the Battle Royale thing yeah, it's it's not gonna go anywhere, but it's gonna get more and more expensive, I think. So yeah, yeah I mean
2: I the COD model for me, the Warzone, we enjoyed playing that as a freebie. And then they did the play, the multiplayer from the main game um, as a free weekend. And that's what sold it to us. Mm. We started playing that. who would never played it before. We were, we were all Battlefield people. We were suddenly like, oh, actually, this game is pretty cool. And that made us buy the the main game because we wanted to continue playing the multiplayer. So that little way that they uh, drip fed us was really clever. It worked on us.
3: Yeah. And and that's absolutely fine. You know, a free, free taste and then you get to pay for it. But it's when you're paying for more and more extras yeah. that just do nothing. And pay to
2: win. No, thank you. Uh, futile was also mentioned the Departed, ripping off um, Infernal Affairs. Um, yes, although, to remake. be frank, he believes it's yeah they've got the rights. It's like a remake, and it was good. To be fair, I'm a big fan of both. I really want Great to watch movies.
1: Infernal Affairs because everyone's always oh, it's be- I love the Departed, but everyone says that's better. So I really should watch the original. It's on Netflix as well. So I need yeah, to get
2: check out it, out. it out. It is good. Uh, Bobby, um, he said his pick would be Saints Row 3 and 4. (laughs) Uh, Always felt the first two games were a good alternative to GTA, and although they didn't set themselves apart massively, they were good in their own rights. When 3 was released, it was clear they decided to parody the whole genre. They refreshed the series and embraced the silly, from giant dildo weapons to the dubstep gun. And finally, superpowers in 4, where you're also the president of the USA... I'm sure others will have mentioned this game and for good reason. This is proof that a clone can do well and even evolve into its own beloved franchise.
1: Yeah. they, they I mean, that's what people basically said it was originally, didn't they? Just a rip off of GTA. But like you said, he, and like Bobby said, it, it developed into its own thing, which is a good thing. So, you know, rip ripoff's not necessarily a bad thing. If you manage to do something good with it, I think uh, I saw on today on Twitter today as well, uh, Kurt uh, commented on Sleeping Dogs being a GTA clone as well, which is really good. Mm. Then you get something like uh, is it Watch Dogs, is that same kind of clone, but people don't seem to like that as much.
2: No. Uh, This is in my honourable mentions as well. Um, While researching this, though, I also found out about Dante's Inferno, is a clone of um, God of War. Having never played God of War, I never saw it, but I do remember enjoying playing Dante's Inferno. Maybe someone um, who also experienced could chime in, which Smashers did. Smashers Clay said, yeah, it's a straight rip-off. They took all the ideas and swapped the ancient Greek setting for medieval European legend and Christian myth. It's not an awful game, but it definitely pales in comparison to the games it's ripping off. And I love God of War. I'm a big Mm. fan of those games. And I remember... Dante's Inferno coming out and playing that, and you're just like, yeah this is God of War basically
3: do you know what it's... I say Dante's Inferno I didn't even notice, but now yeah, now you've mentioned it yeah, it really is, but at the time I didn't maybe it had been a while since I played um God of War I think um it, it's it's just
2: a style of the game obviously it's got its own imagery and like like he says it it, it does something different with the the mythos but um yeah it, it was definitely exactly the same kind of game, same kind of boss battles and things like that but it wasn't as good, but it was it was definitely fun. Uh, Monk's boy comes in. Uh, oh, you mean like Oodles? Every time he opens his mouth on the Scorch Sheep episode. <sighs> <Ooh. laughs> ouch! What do you mean? Know, I don't know
1: what he means by that. Is, is he ripping off? Are you ripping off ideas, Oodles?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think Monk's Boy may have to explain himself. Yeah. Um, or do you mean when Infograms took the Worms-style gameplay and created the far superior Hogs of War? <laughs> I vaguely remember Hogs of War, but I was a big fan of Worms. Worms is the better game for me.
3: Worms was
1: amazing. I loved Worms. Yeah. We had a family friend who had it on his PC, and it was just like every time we went around his house, we just sat and played Worms. It's incredible. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> Super Natty Cat... Marvin Gaye, let's get it on. And Ed Sheeran's thinking out loud. Sorry to get all fangirly. I used to love Ed Sheeran and now he's just a (laughs) crowd-pleasing, (laughs) forget-me-where-he-comes-from, A-list arsehole.
3: So say what you think.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I saw him when he wasn't famous in Newport Leisure Centre, which is Orden Block Capital for some reason, and played everything using an acoustic guitar that wasn't plugged in because so few people were there. I remember, Ed. People may forget, but I remember <laughs> when you played for the Newport <laughs> Massive.
1: <laughs> I knew Ed before it was cool.
2: <laughs> anyway, yeah, 100 million he was grilled for because the song is literally the same. And then she goes on to say, Another couple of rip-offs and music to note are Taylor Swift's Look What You Made Me Do, Stole, Writes of Fred's I'm Too Sexy. Vanilla Ice Ice Baby sounds an awful lot like Queen and David Bowie's Under Pressure. Yeah, You'd be very surprised they are the same. It does sampling, though, isn't it? It is, but it is but it is, almost the song, basically. Yeah. That, that main part of that song.
3: Didn't he get away with it by saying he wrote the bass line that goes over the top of it?
2: Yeah, and it's shit as well. I hate that guy. <laughs> so much. Stop. Collaborate. Ends. But everyone liked it. Everyone when they first heard it was like, oh, this is cool. I'm not one I'm putting it in the end. Oh. I hate <laughs> She made the point is his songs get ripped all the time and the biggest dickhead of them all is Ed Sheeran because he's pretending he's something that he ain't. Sorry for the rant. A bit unnecessary. But no, I agree. He's a dick.
1: <laughs> I don't have any problem with Ed Sheeran. Um, I, I don't listen to his music, so I don't really do what he wants. I'm
2: he looks bothered. like a muppet. He does.
1: Apart from when he was in Game of Thrones, that was shit.
2: Yes. Very unnecessary. Yes. Um... Nacho Nacho man, thank you for being the first person that emailed our website with the feedback. Yay. Yes. More
1: people if you if you go to the website, you can just use the form on there. Absolutely.
2: Easier. Uh he came in with Deadpool. Um Deadpool started off as a Marvel Comics answer to DC's Deathstroke with similar professions, costumes, choice of weapons, and even names Slade Wilson versus Wade Wilson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like that. It's always a bit like the asylum, isn't it? Yeah. However, Deadpool has grown into a much more interesting, successful and beloved character.
1: That's happened a lot though, hasn't it? I haven't, I haven't Marvel ripped off a lot of DC uh, characters? You, and... you
2: even look at something, I don't know who was first, but there's um, a group of heroes for DC called Doom Patrol. Mm. Yeah, And they're basically the X-Men uh, with even like their main leader in this kind of wheelchair floaty thing. <laughs> so it's, it's almost like they're all the same. So, yeah, Apocalypse it's...
1: is meant to be like just... Dark Side, as well as a new mm. year, really. yeah. Really, I yeah,
2: think that, you could always look back in the history and work out who was actually first with what type of character, but some obviously stick with others.
1: Yeah, it's not wrong about like Deathstroke and Deadpool looking the same. Like the, the yeah. new trailer for I want to say Gotham Knights has Deathstroke in it, I is it The Suicide Squad? One it, One of them has Deathstroke in it, and my first instinct was um, Deadpool. I was obviously not, and then i Quickly, I was like, oh, no, it can't be Deadpool because, obviously, it's DC. But they just look the same. And and the name is just... Has anyone seen Teen Titans Go to the Movies?
2: No.
3: No. Oh,
1: you should watch it. It's so funny. It's so great. But when Slade Wilson is the bad guy in it, and they're always just like, oh, that's a good name. Like, Slade. (laughs) It just rolls off the tongue. (laughs) Slade. (laughs) Slade. That's a great it, film you, to watch for your kids, honestly. It's got some great songs in it and some really good humour for yeah, for adults.
2: I was just thinking Deadpool kind of likes to break the fourth wall as well. I'm surprised he hasn't appeared in a DC movie just to fuck with the... Yeah. Uh...
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, some guy called... I can't, I can't pronounce his name. Is it Oodles? Oodles? Never heard of
1: him. Never heard of him. Must be He's new. He's written
2: in him. Yeah, he says, Hey up, friends. <laughs> Wow, Stiggy's doing a great job hosting this week. Just incredible. Cheers. My copycat pick has to be Fortnite. Not for me personally enjoying the game, but for the hours and hours of peace and lack of responsibility it's given me as a father <laughs> due to its very existence cannot be overlooked in the slightest. The game copies anything popular at the time. Yes, there's even a Squid Game mode and doesn't do or need to do any work in hiding its direct, quotes influence. The Brass Balls and Epic to do this is quite inspiring and the juggernaut that is Fortnite will live on in perpetuity like the games of are used to us for the next few generations. Love and miss you all. Oodles.
1: Why does he miss us? Yeah. Who's this guy? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Have we met?
1: Uh, maybe he's just a, a long-term listener. Thanks, Oodles.
2: Yeah, sign up for the Patreon if you haven't already. Um, <laughs> So, Ray comes uh, in with an email saying, Licensing games is not a tag that can bring confidence. After all, it is natural that developers wouldn't pour their heart out for properties they have neither control, oh, sorry, neither creative control nor the right to profit from. As such, Westwood Studio was plotting to rip off their own creation when making the classic Dune. With the hair pullingly complicated copyright structure of Dune, it was a right move to build their own IP before movie or book right holders having second thoughts about the game series. Hence, Command & Conquer, the first of its series, and pre... pre Start again. Hence, Command & Conquer, the first of its series, and pre... I can't even say that word. (laughs) Predecessor, thank you, of countless RTS games was born. Looking at the hardship of the Dune film adaption experience, I'm grateful this ripoff happened. And I'm sorry I butchered your email.
1: <laughs> I didn't realize that the same people made Command and Conquer made June. I just realized that they were the same kind of game.
2: I've not played June. Uh, I played uh, Command and Conquer. A wonderful
1: rip off then, because Command and Conquer's brilliant.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Rip yeah. off your own Maybe
1: idea. Age of Empires you could count as a bit of a rip off of Command and Conquer. That's very similar, you know, things to it like building bases, like collecting resources and making your armies up of like foot soldiers or tanks or you know cavalry and age of empires things. So that's a, that's probably another good like copycat like ripoff that you know worked out for the best in the end
2: yeah i mean if you think of how those games kind of started with something as basic as like Populous or sim mm-hmm. city and then they just mm-hmm. developed into this whole new different type of game that has covered everything now um a roller coaster tycoon, all that kind of thing.
3: Yeah, that's a good one actually. I didn't think of that. There's um the company that was making Roller Coaster Tycoon, they went off and did their own thing as well, didn't they? it's called like Roller Coaster World or something. And apparently it's um it's much better than the new Roller Coaster Tycoon game. So they've <laughs> sort of ripped themselves off a little bit there as well, as a separate company.
2: Because I guess as long as it's different enough, they can get away with it, can't they, in games? Mm. I don't think they're... it
3: was, though. That's the thing. I think it was <laughs> the same.
2: <laughs> so uh, another new listener, Street Beat Punk, whoever he is, um, he's written in, Hiyo, the dream team of monomolecular esterases. Esterases? Esterases.
1: Just makes it hard on purpose, doesn't he? I know.
2: Uh, <laughs> I'd like to hear him say those words. <laughs> you know off... do that now. <laughs> <laughs> Ripping off successful franchises is a time-honored tradition in the fields of video games. Busby's Law, they call it. <laughs> My first experience of this was after those enablers of Sega decided to make their own version of Double Dragon. Streets of Rage, they called it. Instead of taking control of Bimmy and Jimmy on a quest to rescue your shared significant other, using your greatest weapons, fists and feet, Streets of Rage made you cops that beat up punks. Fuck that. This blatant (laughs) ripoff lacked the polish and technique of Double Dragon. The visuals and sound were a step up, but not a big enough step to excuse the inferior gameplay. I bring these two franchises up, as there was a lot of tribal battling going on between the two games. Sega fanboys and Nintendo fanboys carried these games into the trenches during the glorious, radical era of console wars. <laughs> but it was a moot point. Double Dragon released first, and it played better. Streets of Rage was more style than substance, a pathetic rip-off that failed to meet the challenge set by the originator. Well, Streets of Rage 2 rolled along with the highly polished tip of a nuclear missile, and Sega was ready to drop the... No, I need a different analogy. Sega Japanese, bad punk. (laughs) 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 Streets of Rage 2 was the wonder waff unleashed onto the gaming market. The music alone was better than Double Dragon. They'd smoothed out the gameplay. The fighting was smooth and easy to learn, yet difficult to master. It looked the fucking business too. Fleshed out sprites with fluid animation, the complete package. Super Double Dragon came out afterwards and kind of limply churned its flaccid member <laughs> into the dust of a genre it helped define. The student had become the master. Some of Double Dragon's later entries would attempt to siphon some of the mechanics from Streets of Rage, but simply couldn't recapture the magic. Ultimately, it didn't matter as beat-em-ups all died in the 3D polygon plague that followed in the late 90s. Awesome era of console walls. Lots of love. Cracking skulls and eating meat off the street beat punk. <laughs>
3: Excellent. Wow. Good email. It was. I used to love Streets of Rage, even the first one.
2: I was the double dragon man, you see.
3: I'd say I See, I did have double dragon, but it was Streets of Rage for me. Picking up the old pipes and whacking people around the head with it.
2: I remember <laughs> I, played... I used to
3: um, play. I was probably pretty young, I think, when I was playing it. I used, when My best friend was a boy. And we used to um, always play the same characters and just... It would end up, the violence would come from the screen. To us, we just end up absolutely beating the absolute (laughs) crap out of each other.
2: (laughs) Uh, I think it was really hard to not play Double Dragon and then beat up the person you were playing with, Mm. because you could at any time. And that was more the fun of trying to get through the game, but whacking in another 10p or 20p or whatever it cost back then. And yeah, I completed it in the arcade. And I was actually absolutely blown away when you got the fight at the end, I mean, I'm going to spoil this game but when you get to the very end to get the girl, you have to fight each other as brothers to win the uh, the prize of the girl yeah. <laughs> 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 but yeah, that was a nice little twist at the end but yeah, I love that game, it was great but yeah, the sequels were shite so moving on uh, we've got John Cheatham. hello loves Inception takes its dream-travelling concept from the brilliant detective anime Paprika by the late, great Satoshi Kon. Paprika, this is now a sales pitch for Paprika, by the way. (laughs) I've never said Paprika more in any other sentence in my life. It's a short, wonderful adventure that finds time to wax lyrical about a love of cinema with a soundtrack I listen to regularly and a final scene that may snap your heart like a twig. Honestly, I don't think Inception can compare even if I would say it does bring enough of its own style to the table to justify its existence. Cheers. So oh, I have not seen this. I have I seen both.
1: And I need to rewatch Paprika because I didn't think it was that good. And I love Inception. I think mm. Inception is better. However, I could be wrong because I was very tired and feel like I was kind of in and out of the film. You know, when you're drowsing a little bit then you have to rewind it a bit and then you watch it. So I did watch the whole film, but it was in a bit of a state of drowsiness. So I, I'm willing to accept that it might be a really good film, but at the time I didn't particularly like it, so I do need to rewatch it. But from what I was did watch, I didn't particularly get on with it.
3: How old is
2: Paprika? I don't recall hearing of this.
1: Um, It's t-
2: mid-2000s, I think. 2006.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm willing to admit if I'm wrong. Give it another go, but
2: yeah, I might check that out. I just
1: remember it being really super weird.
2: Inception's not exactly uh, easy on the head sometimes, no,
1: but like just really out there weird. (laughs) So
2: So then Nimrod Hicks writes in, Dear Marvelous Entities, now that's nice. Yeah, see, keep it
1: up. The nice intros, keep it up.
2: My entry for copycats is the classic Hanna-Barbera cartoon Top Cat, which was based on the wonderful Phil. Uh, sorry, Phil Silver's show where he plays the wise, cracking, caper driven uh, Sergeant Bilko, which I yeah, I remember both. Top Cat is an almost direct copy of Bilko, even including one of the actors from the original show voicing his copycat character. Incidentally, Top Cat is also where we get the slang for police as Dibble, as the long suffering Officer Dibble is the show's antagonist. Love to all, Nimrod Hicks.
1: Didn't realize it was a rip off. No, I love Top Cat.
2: Yeah, I remember both shows. I can understand that now. I can see the similarities. I'd never put the two together. Um, I can't remember. Did I ever mention about the Phantom of the Opera story? Did, you, did I ever tell you guys this?
3: No. No, I don't
2: think so. When I was running a pub, um, the cleaner that came to uh, do the pub every morning, uh, was a very nice guy, told me he went to see Phantom of the Opera with his wife in London. And during the scene where um, the Phantom has uh, the... I've forgotten her name. Of the character, is on the boat and they're sailing down that sort of river and he's singing away. His phone went off and his ringtone was Top Cat. <laughs> and uh, everyone around him was staring, you know, looking at this guy and he was fiddling around his pocket trying to turn it off and all, all you can hear is Top Cat. Oh, my God. In the middle of an opera, can you imagine? Oh, just... <laughs> Yeah, Always he said he wanted to phones. die. Always yeah, his name, check your phones. His name is Rob, but yeah, he says one of his most embarrassing <laughs> moments ever. It's quite an emotional scene as well. So yeah, you can imagine. Uh, uh, some people do find it funny, apparently. Um, so moving on, Angry Kurt. Um, he's got, hello, Emmy crew. I struggled to think of any ripoffs I've seen or played myself that were bad. So we'll just list two that I liked. That's fine. To say how successful the indie films were. I don't think there's ever been that many rip-offs. My favorite ripoff, though, is the National Treasure films. They're not spectacular by any means, but I think they have a decent plot and a sense of adventure to them, which makes them enjoyable, easy watches. Then in gaming, there is the Roller Coaster Tycoon rip-off Parkitect. Rip-off is a harsh, as it's a very modern and more of a spiritual successor, but it really nails what made Roller Coaster Tycoon great and adds a couple of new bits to the formula.
1: I like uh, National Treasure films. I know they're not great. I didn't. I just think they're... I know they're not great. They're just kind of fun films. Mm. So I, I quite like them, in a way.
2: <laughs> There's actually King Solomon's Mines. Have you seen that one?
1: Oh, yeah, that was on the list. The, the Alan
2: Quartum... Up. Quartum
3: Mask, Quartum Mars, or something like that.
2: Which is a rip-off of Indy as well.
3: I think Indy probably set the standard, in there, And everything's trying to kind of keep up with it.
1: Yeah. Well, obviously, we've got Uncharted coming out as well soon. So that is... Just in
3: the uh, kind of Jones. Well, mm. and Tomb Raider that? as well.
2: Yeah, yeah that's yeah. very true. What did you make of the trailer?
3: Look, sorry? Right.
2: Yeah. I'm not sure about his Tom Holland being the right person for that role. He I doesn't never thought, thought
1: he was. He seems mm. too young. And I think he'll Warburg grow into it. He has no moustache, so <laughs> minus one point for that.
2: Absolutely.
3: Yeah, I think if they franchise the films, I think he'll grow into the role.
1: Yeah, if he even does anymore. He didn't seem pretty keen on it, did he?
2: <laughs> you don't announce that before your movie's come out.
3: Yeah.
2: You can criticise it afterwards, yeah. but not before it's out.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's all right, I guess, if you like that kind of thing.
2: It'd <laughs> yeah, be uh,
1: out, three out, three out of five films, something like that, for me, I think. By the looks of that trailer.
2: <laughs> and finally, the man of the hour. Unfortunately, Gadget couldn't make tonight due to illness, so he's also written in has said, in my absence, I figured it'd be apt to still let everyone know what I was planning to talk about. For what I did this week, when well, I planted my eyes firmly on two pieces of incredible media. As Stig will have mentioned, I saw June with him and it was incredible. But more to come on that. The other thing I watched was Inside, the Netflix special from Beau Burnham. And I have to say, it's utterly stunning.
3: It's so good, yeah.
2: He wrote, performed, filmed and edited the entire thing in a single room over the first year or so of lockdown. In it, he becomes very introspective, dealing with problematic jokes from his earlier career, how his anxiety and depression have affected him, also taking a harsh satirical swipes at modern life and the technological age. Welcome to the Internet is a masterpiece of satirical writing. I don't know this guy.
3: He's so good. Yeah, he, his, his older stuff, like he said, it is a little bit problematic, but that one that he's mentioned inside, it's it's so good and it's it would have been good to watch it as we just, as we were just coming out at the end of lockdown maybe but it's a really good kind of it documents his mental state throughout the thing and i think at one point he has his 30th birthday and he's recording and he does a song for it and at the end of it he's just like you can just see the depression like this is it this is my 30th yeah. and uh yeah it's obvious that he struggles i think with um certain mental health issues not necessarily particularly serious but as much as anyone else did during that time of our lives, it's it it took a toll as much, and you can just tell in his humor and his his writing and um and the songs. But yeah, the uh, the internet song that um gadget mentioned is just absolutely brilliant, and that would be a good one to end on as well. Um, it's it's kind of just just comedy songwriting. I think I can't really describe it without telling you to have a listen to it.
2: Yeah, no, I've not come across that guy. So he finishes with for my ripoff. I was going to talk about Lords of the Fallen, the first big-budget Dark Souls clone to be released. It was unashamedly a rip-off that lacked all the subtlety that made Dark Souls what it was. It was brutally hard in an unfair way, your character moved like he was walking through Treacle, and not one single boss was interested in the slightest. It was dull, annoying, and not worth the effort. Thankfully, the dev learned from their mistakes and put out The Surge, and its sequel a few years later which are both great games and use the Souls formula to great effect with some originality to them and some cracking boss fights. We should have Biggie play them in 2026 when he's (laughs) finally done with Dark Souls. Thank you. (laughs) Excellent. And that's
3: it. See, whenever something advertises itself as Souls-like, that immediately turns me off because as much as I enjoy watching you play it, Biggie, it's not something that I ever want to try and attempt myself. So, any, yeah. any game or any piece of media that's advertised as that, it's it, it's an immediate no from me. I
2: and mean, even is it an accurate description for all these games? You know, it's just labeling something like that. Is that just to get attention to the game? Or is it actually like Dark mm. Souls? And is it going to put people off?
1: There's that, and like, oh, it's hard, so it's like Dark Souls. Like, being hard doesn't make it like Dark Souls, like, yeah. which makes it hard. But yeah, I think it, it feels like it's marketing talk. For a lot of games mm. awesome thank you very much for everybody who wrote in we had some really great feedback there and a nice variety of things as well which is really good for music uh, cartoons and games and films etc so yeah thank you everyone and before we head off into the patreon section candy's gonna talk about the socials
3: Yep, yeah, you can visit our uh new website on modernescapism.co.uk on there you can find a link to all of our socials media contact details and our merch store if you have any comments you can either tweet us or email us at modernescapismpod at gmail.com or as dig said earlier go to our website and you'll find a nice easy form to fill in you can join us on our wonderful discord server we're all in there and we're active and we'll have a chat with you or if you've got any feedback you can pop it in there we'll read it out as well Um, if you fancy watching and interacting with us while we play through some games you can find us on twitch.tv slash modern escapism biggie's playing through dark souls on mondays i run a weekly horror stream on thursdays i'm currently playing soma gadget is working on its way through fallout 4 on survival mode (laughs) on wednesdays and stig and oodles host variety streams throughout the week on uh, and the best way to just is just check our twitter and we also have a youtube channel if you haven't seen it before we did a reaction video to the new series of sexy beasts yes. which is just as bad if not worse than the original and yeah, <laughs> possibly even more grueling to watch was Diana oh, the yes. musical so you can find that on there and that is youtube.com forward slash modern escapism I uh, still
2: haven't got over watching that yet
1: that Diana musical thing is just and do you know what so we did the first 30 minutes didn't we and I wanted to watch the rest just because it I was such a, just because it was a bit of a train like, I'd like to go back and do thirty minute increments on that one because I've seen some of the songs and and read some of the lyrics from some of the li- uh, songs and and uh, and script, and it just sounds even worse <laughs> than what we watched.
3: Well, there were moments on, because I watched the video back, and there were moments where we were all just completely engrossed in what was happening. We didn't even have any comments, like what do you even say to what's happening on screen? It's just
2: trying to process it. <laughs> it I mean, was. like Oodle says, when you come from watching The Crown and the dramatised version, which obviously is fictional at times, but the general understanding, the undertone of that show is that the royal family is pretty fucked up. Mm. And there's a lot of things that have been quite nastily done to certain people, particularly as we all p- probably come to understand is Diana. To turn that into a musical and somehow <laughs> try to get the lyrics to rhyme with the, what they're singing about, it's just some of the the words were the funniest thing. Just yeah, like, to try and make light of the
1: progress. situation between the whole, like, Charles, Diana and Camilla stuff. And it's, yeah, just its just like,
2: doesn't it's work.
1: It's just so odd. It's so... Done for the American audience, yeah. Like all British people watching this, even royalists would be watching this, going, "What the fuck is this?" Whereas I could just see Ameri- <laughs> some Americans that are like well into the royals being like, "Ah, oh, this is amazing!" Like,
2: and thinking kinda, it's fact that we all sing.
3: <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, I do. I just I, I, are they watching? Is it made ironically, or is it? I just don't understand because obviously we were watching it ironically. But do you think the um American audience were like? Yeah, this is relating to me now. I understand what happened.
2: I generally thought it was a parody, like some really clever parody, and then it just clicked that no, it's not. <laughs> no, It's not. It's <laughs> it for just a certain really audience, isn't.
1: and you know, I'm not. We're not here to to uh, have a at our American audience, sorry, I'm in America, because we love you guys. But there will be certain people in America who like this stuff and are into this, and but it's terrible. And yeah. It's, just makes no sense
3: it's kind of <laughs> the royal family for a bit for beginners isn't it
1: yes
0: so yeah.
3: start with this and then move on to the crown yeah. <laughs> see how you get on
2: royals for dummies <laughs>
3: <laughs> and we also have our patreon which is patreon.com forward slash modern escapism as we've already said we've got three tiers five pounds for modern escapees five pounds for scorch sheep or seven pound fifty for the biggie bundle which gets you both if you have enjoyed our podcast this evening and I think it's particularly excellent with just the three of us, I'm just not being biased, but to oh, yeah. be the new better. format going forward. Yep. Uh, please give us a five star review on any way you can review podcasts. It really helps us get seen and heard and we really, really appreciate it. We, we read everything. So if you got us, got any feedback for us, any suggestions or anything, leave us a five star and we'll we'll read it.
2: Or give us a three star because then we know it's about us. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, five star. F- Five
1: stars <laughs> <of> LA. <laughs> we're a real, real podcaster, though, because we've got a one-star review. Exactly. You're not, you're did, not a real yeah. podcaster until yeah. you get that one-star review.
3: It didn't cater exactly to that listener, so he gave us a one-star. Yeah, um,
1: weird.
3: Next week is our Halloween show, and we've got a nice, easy subject for you next week. It's The, it's the subject is just your favourite scary media, whether it's the most scary or the most fun to watch or whatever tickles your scary fancy.
1: <laughs> yeah. and we realise that when the when the podcast comes out it actually will have gone past Halloween but we're recording on Halloween so it makes sense
3: two weeks either side it's, of Halloween is still Halloween to me
2: and if we record on Halloween some of us might not make it
1: oh take your bets now on who's going to get killed <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I just meant from a scheduling thing I didn't realise was...
1: <laughs> no we're going to do you seen the film host yes yeah that's what's that's going to happen next week
3: Mm. I'm going to be the one that falls over running away. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, thank you everyone for enduring the three of us. I think it's we've done a pretty good job, to be honest. Yes. We I will stretched say so out, myself. didn't we?
3: We did well yeah. there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was a little bit worried. I think the listener feedback helped. But uh, do you know what? It's qual- quality over quantity, isn't it? it so is. even if it was going to be a smaller podcast this week, then uh, you still got us fine three uh, people and it's time for me to say goodbye to those people who aren't uh, patreon supporters and for those who are as oodle says we'll meet you around the corner for a bit of uh, and uh, goodbye to everyone else toodaloo
2: I want to have your babies. I love you, stick. You're very sexy, man. I want to ruffle my fingers through your hair?